Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. Today, we are really excited to be joined by the host of the podcast, The Limit Does Not Exist, a show that digs into what the hosts describe as human Venn diagrams. Thank you both so much for being here. Yay! We're so happy to be here. Can you introduce yourselves and describe your show a bit more in depth for us, please? Sure. Yes. So I'm Kate. And I'm Christina. And... Annie, you said it right. Our podcast is a show for human Venn diagrams. And that's really our uh, term for uh, people who have multiple interests that often feel like they might not go together. And we're so fascinated by the intersections of those interests. Mm-hmm. We believe when it comes to pursuing your passions, you shouldn't have to choose. We are a fan of the and over the or. Exactly. Both of us kind of have these zigzag paths with, um, as Kate said, unexpected intersections. For me, it was math and theater. For Kate, she's got filmmaking, directing, producing, all of that world, plus the love of math (laughs) and and helping girls get super psyched by math. And we thought, well, if we love all these things, there's probably a lot of other people like that too. So that's what our show is about. That's right. It really began as the intersection of STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math, and the arts. And since then, over 100 plus episodes later, it's really evolved into the identity of work and how do you uh, make sense of what you love and how do you hopefully build a really sustainable, custom-built career out of that. Mm -hmm. So that's us. We're so happy to be here. We're so like happy to have you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm really passionate about um, girls and women in STEM as well. I've yes. told this story several times on the show that when I was in elementary school, I used to ask for extra homework in math and science until the teacher <laughs> told me that no boy would ever want to date me. And yeah. Yeah. No. Yep. Boy, I yep. love Did you report her? <laughs> I didn't, but I dropped out. I was in calculus. This was in high school. I was in calculus and I dropped out and it's one of my biggest regrets. regrets. Oh. Right. Yeah. Um, that is a crime against education agreed. and I am angry on your behalf. I know. And I used to take, so I went to um, Georgia Tech, which is a really big STEM school. Mm-hmm. And I would take yeah. physics classes like on the DL. Like I didn't want people to know about it or something. And now it makes oh me so gosh. angry. Right. Yeah. The shadow shade wow. physics. That's so real, Annie. It having so to, is. Yeah, I mean, having this is why I'm really happy that boys never liked me in school because then that wasn't a consideration. And I could just be the know-it-all three years ahead in math class. And like, yes. I didn't care. Yes. I mean, I was one of two women in my calculus class, in my AP Calc class. There were wow. two of us. There were a lot of guys in there. And this wasn't that long ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, my gosh. So when we were discussing what we were going to talk about, I was very so excited, excited. <laughs> with the pitch because this is um, a, we're doing a female first and we're doing it yes. on... One of my heroes, Grace Hopper. Yes. Oh. Absolutely. I mean, so Grace Hopper, favorite. we like to call her Admiral Hopper. We want to yeah. give her the rank the that she earned. Absolutely. That's right. She, she was a rare admiral. Yeah, she actually had a lot of firsts. Yes, she did. A hundred percent. She was the first woman to ever earn a PhD in mathematics from Yale University. She was. No she was also one of the first ever computer programmers. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. And she invented the first compiler, which we will explain. Yes. <laughs> she was integral to the in- invention of a computer programming language that, no small feat, is still used today. And when you think about how far we've come technologically, it's really impressive. Yeah, she was called Amazing Grace by yeah. her subordinates, and I can see why. Right. So yes. uh, we are psyched to share her. We actually call her the patron saint of our podcast. We have a whole, right. Our whole first episode was about her <laughs> and a fantastic book we found um, on her history. And there's so much of her life and her background that is consistent with this idea of interdisciplinary work and kind of pulling in unexpected interests that, uh, that we thought we had to share her with you. That's oh, yeah. right. Actually, our first our first social media handle was at Admiral Hopper <laughs> for quite some time, for about three and a half years. Like, people would, like, yes, people recently. would like tag us in comments about her and we're oh, like, no. well, we appreciate the shout out, but like we're not Always. actually Admiral Hopper. Um, <laughs> Just to clarify. But, cool. <laughs> but yeah. if we were to be mistaken for anybody. That's, yeah, that's we'd be beautiful. okay with that. Right. We'd be okay with that. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. I mean, so here's the deal. Grace Hopper was the like one of the pioneers of the computing history and her impact spanned like four decades and counting. Like she yeah. was pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. She's she's still going and uh, I like to think we'll go on forever. So <laughs> Christina, I think let's start with the compiler, which is the first computer jargony word that we just Oh have. yeah, for sure. Okay, so <laughs> what the heck is a compiler? The first one. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So a compiler allows computer code to be written in a programming language, written in actual words, um, rather than machine language, uh, which can be kind of the zeros and ones. So if you think about bits and bytes, um, it can also be just like really complicated uh, uh, kind of terms that the computer will understand, but is super clunky and makes it it's not just like you're writing in a foreign language, you're you're literally trying to speak machine. So it makes it really right. hard to pick up programming if the bar was you have to write in machine language. Right, exactly. And what what's so cool about that and impactful is that the ability to have computer code be written in a programming language makes it more accessible to more people. So if you can just learn that programming language, you don't have to turn your brain into a machine, <laughs> you can you can write the code. That's right. And so Grace Hopper was super against this idea of the high priest genius ethos uh, that like only special people can write code. She's kind of like, yeah, I mean, I actually think that anyone can learn how to write code. It's a way of thinking and a language. And by insisting on kind of moving us toward writing code in English and using a compiler to translate it for the machine, it democratized access to computers. Like, this is a big deal. This is, we're not talking like 10 years ago. We're talking back in like the 50s. This was a, a foundational concept to the beginning of computer programming that she believed anyone could learn. Yeah, so she really was this champion for inclusion, this idea that everyone could learn how to use a computer and could learn a language around it. And, you know, it's so significant, too, even thinking about the story that you just told, Annie, because there's continues to be the sort of proliferation, right, in math and STEM fields where it's like there is one way to do it. And if you don't understand that way, too bad for you. Right. And so 
Admiral Hopper was really saying, no, no, no. It's a language that's learnable and you can learn it. And I'm going to invent this thing that's going to make that really possible. Absolutely. So I also think, Christina, that we should know that at the time that the compiler was invented by Admiral mm-hmm. Hopper, this was like the late 1940s and early 1950s. So computers took up entire rooms, right? Like yes, right. we've all seen hidden figures. Uh, <laughs> and the the Harvard Mark I computer, of which Hopper became one of the first programmers, uh, just some data on that. It was 51 feet long, Ooh. eight feet tall and two feet deep. So if you're doing some quick quick mental math, (laughs) that's 816 cubic feet. It was just like (laughs) daunting to even look at, right? Like it was already very sort of like, how do I touch that? Like how do I learn how to do that? Well, it also weighed like 10,000 pounds. This is a a pretty gigantic (laughs) piece of machinery. Not gonna like put it in your laptop bag. Yeah, no. So, okay, back to the compiler, which, to recap, Hopper invented the compiler to allow computer code to be written in accessible programming language. So there were several other, it's important to note, rudimentary programming languages being developed at the time. But here's the thing. Each one was specific to one brand of computer, right? Mm -hmm. So like you could learn one language, but you could only use it on one kind of computer. Mm -hmm. You'd have to go find like your 10,000 pound computer that you could (laughs) use that language on. Um, And so programs weren't portable, Mm -hmm. as we already have talked about, neither were computers. So uh, a universal programming language was needed, right? And, Mm -hmm. you know, what did Admiral Hopper do? She helped create one. Of course, she did. (laughs) Not one. Let's make one. Yep. (laughs) See any? You don't fix it. Yep. That's right. So the language that she really spearheaded the development of is known as COBOL, Um, not to be mistaken with a cabal, but COBOL, (laughs) which stands for common, we use the C and the O in the word common, common business-oriented language. Mm -hmm. It's a flexible, accessible, these were, you know, words that you could really sum up other parts of Hopper's work with, uh, language that's still in use today, which as we talked about is really extraordinary. That's amazing. I mean, so this is what was so big about it. COBOL was a program that could be used, the, the whole design of it was that it could be used across all these different brands of computers. And there weren't like standard specs from one computer maker to the next, the way there is today. Mm -hmm. So until this point, you would have to translate a program from one computer to another, and that would cost like hundreds of thousands of dollars. So they needed something that could work on all hardware. And, and this was what was so powerful about the language that could be, you know, applicable and useful across banking, Insurance, utilities, manufacturing, inventory control, healthcare, government, the military, right? There are all these different industries that needed the power of computing, but they took in data in different structures. They needed to process that data very differently. And to write one simple English programming language that was flexible enough across all of these industries and open enough for kind of continuous development as these industries progressed and could be learned by kind of a broad pool of people. Like this was a really ambitious goal. 
Yeah. You know, at a time where all these industries, even more today, right, so much more, were really siloed. Like, they were really independent mm-hmm. of each other. Like, we are just feeling the industrial revolution in this <laughs> right? Like, we're feeling the effects years later still very strong. I mean, this is so profound because it's mm-hmm. like, let's find a way to bridge the divide. Right? Yeah. Like for computers sure. for all, literally. Here, here. Um, <laughs> and it worked. So, okay, fun fact. I think we can all remember the eve of Y2K. I oh, think about I it love saying Y2K. <laughs> I, think about it I remember the water bottles. <laughs> yeah. Spam, right? Yes. Everybody holding their spam. breath. Yes. It's just like 1999 is just like wrapping up in full force, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, At that time, nearly 80% of all computer code worldwide was written in COBOL, including 95% of all finance and insurance programs. So it's just absolutely in effect still Mm -hmm. at that point. And then do we all remember the Y2K fear around resetting numbers at the top of the new millennium? Right? It was like, wait, what happens? Are we all resetting to zero and everything Everything crashes? The automatic doors will never open again and be trapped in there. (laughs) Right. So we can also thank COBOL for that. Yeah. You know, the committee created COBOL and there are many things that it did right. But one of the things that maybe was a bit short-sighted was that it shortened years to just two digits, 99 instead of 1999. They did this to save memory. And I guess it's probably pretty understandable that in the mid kind of 1950s, the thought that this language would still be in use a half a century later (laughs) is not that unreasonable to be like, eh, not going to be an issue. Um, So, uh, you know, luckily an entire generation of COBOL programmers were able to come out of retirement in like 1999 (laughs) to create these like patches and workarounds to solve the problem. And it ended up being kind of a bust, but it's not because it wasn't a big problem. It's because we still had enough living people who knew how to write COBOL that they could like fix it at the last second. Oh, that's funny. That's, I thought it just was fine. Right. They were doing a whole like, yeah, mess around and try to gather everyone. I do remember that being like, how yeah, do we solve yeah. this? Oh my God. We're going to go back to zero. Yeah. <laughs> I love that though, because I feel like that's like the sign of a successful operation of any kind that most people think, oh, it was just fine. Right. Yeah. You know? yeah. It did seem yeah, I mean, you didn't get to live tweet, like, can you imagine live tweeting the end of the millennium and being like, is it happening? Is it oh, happening? Didn't happen. my gosh. Yeah. Things to look forward to. But no, you know, what I, what I love about that, too, is, is that it was so great that all of these sort of retirees came out and were needed. <laughs> and there was this just whole, you know, not only did Hopper inspire the democratization of computers, but longevity in the workforce. And we'll talk about that in a little <laughs> bit about how she was like the poster child of you can work right. as long Absolutely. as you want to. Well, yeah. I was going to say, I could just imagine them going, oh, okay, you kids. Get out of the way. Let me fix this for you. I feel like that's the movie we need right now. <laughs> it really is. Superhero yes. team. They're coming together. Like, assemble. Why do you pay? One of the big like disgruntled, like, I'm retired. Yeah. What's wrong with yes. you? Yes. <laughs> I love Here's it. what's so, so incredible about her leadership style. Because you can imagine designing a programming language by committee 
to work in, you know, all of these different worlds that could have been a total disaster. Um, But instead, she really spearheaded this. And, you know, a lot of the people um, interviewed about what this experience was like afterwards said working with her was interesting because she served as a conductor of invention Mm -hmm. rather than a dictator. Mm -hmm. She she really allowed information to flow between her company, Remington Rand, and all the other collaborators at other corporations. And she one of her like famous quotes was you don't manage people, you manage things. You lead people. And I thought this was a really notable difference between her and a lot of the men that led the early computer programming efforts. This was a very distinct leadership style that, you know, I think we can see the effects of how how well it worked. Yeah, it was really intuitive, right? And it was Mm -hmm. really sort of human driven. And I think that's something when we think about this sort of separation between us and, you know, technology, it's always like, well, how do we bring it sort of to us? And Admiral Hopper was so great at saying, yeah, this is only valuable if we know how to talk about it and we Mm -hmm. know how to use it and we know how to share it together. Mm -hmm. And that was just such an inclusive worldview and one that came from her own life, right, of really bridging different fields and of being such a pioneer. Mm-hmm. So we have more on Grace Hopper's story, and we're going to get into that. But first, we're going to get into a quick break for a word from our sponsor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. She found a way to live her vision of creating a common language for technically savvy people and people who didn't identify as tech savvy. So Mm -hmm. basically she was able to hang out with everybody and in turn she got everybody to hang out together. (laughs) (laughs) We also need to mention, okay, in 1969, she was awarded the Data Processing Management Association's Man of the Year Award. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No one saw the irony there. Yeah. I love it. Also, Mm -hmm. this is a crucial fact about her. She invented the term bug, as in computer bug. I love this. Yeah. And and she invented it after an actual bug. This is true. It was a moth. Was found in a computer that was having issues. And she took that moth and she taped it in her notebook along with her notes from the day. And we still use that to describe a problem that prevents a program from running successfully. So I love that she saw a problem and just sort of embraced it as, yeah, that's what that is. And here it is completely in our vernacular. The uh, only thing that weirds me out about this is having the dead bug (laughs) taped in the notebook. That's just... Oh, yeah, Christina, you and dead bugs, right? Yeah, I'm just, Uh, I'm a little squeamish. (laughs) I'm sitting there going, what? Wait, what? Fair enough. I love stories like this where you're like, oh, I use this word every day. You don't really think about it. And then when you have an inkling of, huh, why do we call it that? And then there's this amazing story behind it. Mm-hmm. I love it when right. that happens. I I would love to like every time I heard someone say that there was a bug in the system, somehow just this like a uh, hologram of Grace Hopper appears <laughs> just to like take credit for right. that or some kind of like Grace Hopper trademark just shows up. Yeah, I just want like, like a little gives you a little, little bell to ring, guns. right? Like every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And, 
a hopper gets her credit, but exactly. she's Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. A woman gets the credit she deserves. <laughs> okay, so we have to talk about her background because she obviously was a badass, but how did Admiral Hopper become such a badass? Right. Yeah, yeah, well, it all started, you could say, on December 9th, 1906 in New York City when Admiral Hopper, then Grace Brewster Murray was her birth name, was born. Great start. Let's fast forward just a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a great idea. So, you know, it was clear looking at her upbringing that education was important in her family. Her dad actually went to Yale, where she would eventually go. She went to private schools. And in 1928, she graduated Phi Beta Kappa from Vassar College with two degrees, both in math and in physics. And then in 1930, she got her master's degree in mathematics from Yale, and the next year began teaching mathematics at Vassar while finishing her doctorate in Yale in mathematics and mathematical physics. She finished that in 1934. So no slouch, working while finishing the doctorate. (laughs) Right. And, you know, there's actually an interesting historical fact here that a relatively high number of women were receiving doctorates in the 1920s and the 1930s. And the number of women who were receiving doctorates at that time wouldn't be matched again until the late 1980s. Wow. Which is kind of crazy to think about, right? Like there was this uptick in women getting doctorates, and then Mm -hmm. there was sort of this valley, and then it upticked again, um, you know, like 50, 60 years later. So, you know, it sort of seems in the post-war kind of leave it to beaver era, Americans suddenly decided that women should focus on being mothers and housewives. And, you know, there was a war going on. There were things that needed to happen during that war and jobs that needed to be had. But it's it's also important to know that this wasn't always the case. Like, Mm -hmm. I love going back to history and finding moments when women had a lot more power than they didn't have for a while to know Mm -hmm. that it was there. Right. And to go, well, what happened? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in either case, her success in a male dominated field and in male dominated organizations like the military, it, it was truly exceptional. Mm-hmm. Right. So after she got her PhD, she became a full-fledged math professor at Vassar. And she became very sort of famous at Vassar. And what she was known for was bringing in content from other disciplines in her math courses. So her classes became some of the most popular of the department. People would just show up to hear her lecture. I love this so much because basically they gave her a lot of the crap courses, and she mm-hmm. had a lot of them. And yeah. one semester, she was teaching, I think, like six courses. So she was, yeah, they, she was given kind of the the runt workload. And she said, you know what? Fine, I'm going to make these classes fascinating. Mm-hmm. And she <laughs> took what came naturally to her, this interdisciplinary interest, and she applied it to her pedagogy. So while she was a professor, she had the rights to audit classes at Vassar. She could sit in on anything she wanted. And she attended classes in, get this list, this is an insane list, astronomy, (laughs) physics, chemistry, geology, biology, zoology, economics, architecture, philosophy, and the history of scientific thought. So <laughs> she she was a curious yeah, woman. Right. Yes. And she she found like newfound knowledge and applications of mathematics in those fields and she brought those applications into her courses, which helped make math relevant for students from a wide variety of majors. And that was so crucial that she wasn't teaching these concepts in a vacuum. She was showing them how does this apply to your world and why does it matter? Right. 
Right. I just love thinking about that student who's like showing up for this, I don't know, statistics class and is like, this is just going to be a snooze fest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Hopper yeah. is just up in the front and just completely breaking down whatever expectations all of those students came in with. Right. You know, and that was just another one of her superpowers is she was this connector. And another thing that she did along these lines, which is so fascinating and profound, is that she incorporated writing in her math courses. There were essay assignments. Mm-hmm. And her students sometimes complained that this was a math course, not an English course. <laughs> to which Hopper replied that there's no use trying to learn math unless you can communicate it with other people. Right. So if we haven't yet mentioned it, she was known as irreverent sharp-tongued, and brilliant. Brilliant. She was queen of the comeback. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But this was so crucial to her later success, right? Her ability to connect ideas, but also talk about her work, really, truly communicated in English, is what made her so successful. Right. Okay, so she's teaching at Vassar. She is a star professor. And then Pearl Harbor happens. And Hopper, like a lot of other people in her family and her community, they wanted to serve their country. But she was 34 years old, which the military deemed too old. Oh. As someone who is past 34 currently, I'm insulted by this. Agreed. Um, Agreed. Right there with you. She also was considered 15 pounds underweight for her height. I do not suffer from that problem. Yeah, I was going to um, say, I don't right. know that she one. She was too old, too small. Yeah, yes. too old, too small. And so the military was like, no thanks. And then they reconsidered because yep. her mathematical skills were pretty in demand. Uh, and so after like petitioning for a waiver, she, uh, in December 1943, she was able to join the Navy, which was super exciting. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I'm actually just going to jump ahead here because this was one of those moments, and we'll jump right back, one of more than one times that the Navy was like, we're done with you or we don't need you. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, oh, wait, you're actually too valuable. Yes. <laughs> because when Hopper was 60, she was forced to retire from the Navy due to her age. But then a mere seven months later, didn't even take a year, the Navy called her back to active service wow. at the age of 60, which if we're doing this math, it's now 26 years past when they mm-hmm. told her she was too old. Right. Yeah. She's now called back to active duty because literally no one could do what she could do. And then she remained on active duty for 19 more years and became the oldest serving officer in the U.S. Armed Forces. Wow. So... That take is that ages. Yeah. 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 I can't imagine getting that call and being like, mm-hmm, what, 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 what are you going to give me? Would you say you need me? What you is need this, this about? Right. She's, I'm she's like, petty, and I'd be this? like, I, oh, yeah, I am too. Oh, no. When we were talking about comeback, she's like, clap back. She's like, oh, c- tell me that again. How would you like yeah. that nicely? Yes. yes. I mean... It's I'm so a petty true. bitch, and I'd say, great, but my price has just doubled. Right, right. Yep. <laughs> That's what I was to say. How much you paid me? I'm pretty me? sure she couldn't do that and didn't do that, but I'm just saying. Yeah, she's probably nicer it's than so, what I would have done so as well. True. They have now acknowledged that you are the only person who can do this. Yes. Your price has gone up. Right. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. And your team of people to gatekeep you is hopefully full of fact. So going back to... Right in the wake of Pearl Harbor, right? 1943, she's gotten the waiver. She was able to join the Navy. At this point, she had been married for 15 years to a fellow academic. And that marriage was ending. Hopper got 
divorced. And so at that time, she was really eager for a new path, right? She'd been Mm -hmm. in academia and she's like jonesing. Um, for a new challenge. And in case you're wondering about her personal life, she never had children and she never remarried after her divorce, but she did date other people we've read. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She still had a life. I love it. That's right. Okay. So Hopper joins the Navy. She goes into basic training and she thinks that she's going to be assigned to the cryptography unit to help decode communications. But literally in like the weeks that she's in basic training, plans change, and she gets sent up to Harvard to become the literally the third ever computer programmer of the world's first computer, the Mark I. Um, that's right. So that's what, like, you know, things were changing fast and furiously in the moment. But she, uh, you know, she, they could see how and why her skills were relevant. And I think that that one little, you know, decision to send her up to Harvard really changed the course of all of human technology. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's it's so true. And and I love this fact that after the war, Hopper was actually offered a full professorship at Vassar. So I, I feel like the department at Vassar was like, oh, we had you teaching those terrible classes, but come back and like, yeah. teach the best things, right? Uh-huh. Yep. Um, and she said no. She was like, uh-uh, I'm not going to come back because she wanted to stay at Harvard. She wanted to keep working on the Mark I. And during this time, she became a research fellow in engineering sciences and applied wow. physics. And she helped develop the Mark II computer and then the mm-hmm. Mark III computer. Mm-hmm. And then... Even though she did all of this, eventually it became clear that she wasn't going to be promoted or granted tenure at Harvard, which mm. is just like who was running the place then? Shaking my saying. head over here. Yeah, yeah. shaking like, my head. Why? Mm-hmm. So she was like, "All right, academia, I'm done with you," and she went into the private sector, which <laughs> brought us the compiler and COBOL. Like, yes. yeah. you know, it, it wasn't a terrible outcome for humanity, but it's frustrating on her behalf, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that like it still wasn't good enough. Uh, but yeah. you know what? It's okay because she ended up being the recipient of more than 40 honorary degrees. She got mm-hmm. scholarships and professorships and awards. In 2016, President Obama posthumously gave her the Presidential Medal of Freedom, which is the nation's highest civilian honor. So Harvard. That's right. You suck know, it. you're done, messed up. <laughs> Harvard, suck it. Like, yeah, basically, basically, get over your damn self. Yes, yeah. I mean, amazing grace, indeed, right? And 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 Great. while there's always this aggravation that I feel when these awards come later, and then many of them after the fact, or for um, man of the it's year, nice to know, <laughs> right? Right. It's nice to know that many people have at least finally come to the. Hopper party. Right. right. <laughs> I mean, yes. she has like the world's largest conference for women in computing named right. after her. So there's mm-hmm. at least like the legacy is there. At least people know who she is. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, that actually wasn't a guarantee. Uh, she was kind of in obscurity for a very long time yeah. until. Was it 60 Minutes did a special on her? Yes, um, that's right. And all of a sudden people are like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is disheartening in some ways. Because right. if she is done, she did so much and we still use so much of what she built. Without crediting her. Without crediting right. her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. is mm-hmm. very disheartening. Right. Yeah. So I'm glad yeah. she's starting to get the recognition that yes. she is long deserved. Whether she knows it, just, it or not. I know. It makes it me not. want 
to know who who are all the other untold right. stories of yes. women and people of color who contributed to these revolutions, right? right? So our knowledge base and you know, get one month out of the year that we tell their history and we tell the same five stories over and over again. Right, right. And I just, I want there to be so many more of these these incredible stories told because you know they were there. We just don't know their names. Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. You know, we sort of already talked about the premise of our podcast, and I think it's very clear why Admiral Hopper is our unofficial patron saint, right. you know. <laughs> but what what is so important about her too is is that she probably if you asked her right she was like oh I'm too busy working on this thing I can't talk about whatever you want to ask me (laughs) or you know like she was just like head down in work and she was just you could tell so passionate about cracking open things that should never be closed like she was like yes why wouldn't writing and math go together? Mm-hmm. Or why wouldn't we in these different industries use the same language? Mm-hmm. Like she was just by showing up and living what she was passionate about. Mm-hmm. She was an innovator, right? Mm-hmm. And I I think, you know, on our show, we, we talk with different innovators and we really like to have conversations with guests who are uh, you know, really bridging different fields and saying no to silos. And it's not surprising to us that it's really easy for us to find female identifying guests mm-hmm. for our show. Like this doesn't seem coincidental at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it reminds me of uh, Cindy Gallup, who's a, a fabulous woman um, in the advertising industry and in technology, uh, who has a famous saying, uh, she says, women are often disruptors because they're never the default. Like the world was not designed for women. And Mm -hmm. so as a result, they see where the friction is or where things could be designed better. And that makes it um, maybe not easier for them to innovate, but it certainly gives them a perspective that is outside of this is how things have always been done or this just works because it works. And so I think we see that very clearly with Admiral Hopper, as well as so many of the guests on our show where they say, that didn't make any sense to me. And so I tried to see if there was a different way to go about doing it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, Hopper is such a incredible example of this just steely resilience of she mm-hmm. was like, I'm too small and old for the Navy. Well, let me go find some paperwork <laughs> and some workarounds here, right? right? Like, I'm just going to be in spaces that weren't built for me, but I will... I will shift the spaces in order to do the work that I want to do. And the fact that she was able to do that so many times in the span of her life at a time when, um, you know, I mean, my gosh, it continues to be difficult, right? But the fact that she was able to just bust through so many doors is just iconic and badass and so inspiring. I just love so much that she went and got a waiver. Like, she didn't take no. (laughs) Yes. You know, I like oh my this gosh. is such an important thing. I think I, I say this to my mentees all the time where they're like, well, I'm not qualified for that thing. Or like, I don't meet the whatever the minimum rules. And I'm like, but did you ask if they'd make an exception? And they're right. like, well, why would they make an exception for me? And I'm like, do you think they don't make exceptions ever? Like, go ask. Right. And more often than not, 
there are waivers to be found. Exactly. You probably just heard my light bulb, which is I feel like getting a waiver is like going to be my new comeback to anything. <laughs> we'll be like, well, I'm going to go get a waiver and I'll do that. Let's redo this. So expect the waiver. Right. <laughs> yes. So we're going to come back with a little more from Kate and Christina, but we have one more break from our sponsor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Here we go. Let's get into it again. So much of what she did, like the math and writing is a great example to me because so many times, if if any of us think back to when you were in school, somebody I guarantee said in math, like, well, this isn't going to be useful for Mm -hmm. my future. Right. And it's so helpful to remember that, yes, if you do math, then it's not a traditional liberal arts communication thing. But like she said, if you can't talk about it, if you can't work in right. fields that r- rely on communication and other mm-hmm. skills, how are you gonna? Then you're hindering yourself. Right. You're you're mm-hmm. you're basically setting yourself back. And um, I I just think that's so useful to realize all these things can touch each other, right? And all of these skills can kind of weave together. And it's just, it's, why not pick up another skill? Right. <laughs> right? Well, right. That, that's right. And I think, too, the way that math is presented is often just, oh, this is what it is and get on board or there's right. something yeah. wrong with you. Right. right. And what was just so like script flipping about Hopper's work was like, no, actually, math should be understood. There should be a why here. Yeah. And you can also write about that and create that for yourself. Like mm-hmm. just saying there is nothing wrong with you. We just have to break this open and enter ownership, enter looking at it in different ways, like enter just bringing other skills to the party. Right. So it's just all par for her course, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, we salute you. <laughs> <laughs> we I know. Do. I feel like I need a drink now. I want to like give her a cheers. cheers. Yeah. We got to yes. give her a little uh, pour out, I pour one like out for the homie for sure. Have, yeah, I feel like she would just have a whiskey neat or something right. like that. Just like very, I, just very like power she drink. Just, oh, <laughs> she just completely kept going forward. That was one of my favorite parts, again, about the waiver and such. Just like, okay, I got rejection or I've gotten pushed down Here's or I've gotten pushed aside. Yeah. I'm just going to keep going. Screw all y'all. Right. <laughs> Let me just keep going and I'm going to make it forward. I might not see the credit ever, obviously, right. um, but mm-hmm. one day, this is what I've done for the world. At least I've changed humanity in some sort of way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when we look at um, online spaces or even just the way um, people speak, women and people of color are largely the ones pushing it along because right. they do see, yeah. they see these places where we need to improve or you're not serving me. Right. So mm-hmm. I guess I'll go and make, create do it this. myself. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of that attitude. Yeah. It's like, there's no space for me. I'll make space. Watch me. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Exactly. That's Um, absolutely right. And that can be, you know, my gosh, that can be exhausting. That can be mm -hmm. all of the things. And just remembering that, like, being able to just do your work and doing whatever it takes to do that and being like, I don't care if you're not on board, but I'm going to make this happen. is just, you know, such a skill that that uh, I know I look at Hopper's story and go, yeah, I can I can do more of that. Right. No, I'm I'm not going to lie. That's 
exhausts me because in the thing, she's like she has to go overboard to prove herself. Not only yeah. can I do what you're asking me to do, but I'm going to go beyond so I can prove that I can do that. I'm the and only some, one that can yeah, do that in order to prove my yes. worth. Not only do I have to go do what I'm supposed to do, but unlike a white man, I have to go beyond that yeah. to yeah. show you I'm more yes. qualified than that BS. Mm-hmm. that they are doing. <laughs> that's yeah. exhausting. That, that's, it is. That, that's so It right. is exhausting. Then, but yeah. if you can bring, yeah. you know, others like you along behind right. you, you know, right. you leave the door open. Um, yeah. One of the things that Hopper was known for, not just in believing that anyone could code, but she specifically went out and recruited young women and and taught them. She's like, if I can teach them how to do it, then everyone will see that everyone can learn how to do it. So she didn't just like allow herself to be the exception. Right. She yeah. really designed a world and brought people along with her that said, I'm not the only one. I'm just the first because I'm the first one to ask for the waiver or I'm right. the first one that had the stamina to put up with all of this crap. But there are lots more like me and I'm going to make sure that I bring them along with me to ensure that we stay. Yeah. yeah. Which is beautiful. That's right. And and she just created this undeniable force from doing that which as we saw more than one time in history a bunch of dudes were like oh wait oh yeah we need you (laughs) and she's like yeah Uh, yeah i'm i'm you know throwing this proverbial party over here with a a lot of badass women and 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 humans um yeah get on board or find Mm, another train right move on off exactly Yeah, yeah, and that also going back to what you said earlier about the the context of how many firsts have we lost? Right. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad yeah. that these stories are starting to come out, and always important to have that context of there were people doing right. these things that were were not recognized and have not mm-hmm. been yet. Right. But hopefully. Hopefully. And then we can keep searching because there are those stories. That's kind of been the theme today. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. Rediscovering stories of this was done first. We just didn't know about it until we had to put in all this research. And there are many more who we didn't know about that's Mm -hmm. slowly coming out. And hopefully we can continue to find that. And I'm sure we will continue to find that and dig deeper, which is phenomenal. And it's great because that means we can keep learning. Yes. (laughs) Well, like... Big old shiny gold stars to you two yes. for having a, an yes, episode, episode called time. Female First and inspiring us to really deep dive a woman in history who we love and and just I mean I, I feel my gosh by just every time I look at her story there's just more to more to mine and more to love right yes um, and gold stars to you as well <laughs> so happy to have you I, I mean when you said like it was the first pitch you said and I was like yes yes in. absolutely. <laughs> I love her. I actually, um, I used to be the producer of this show and we used to have a video series. And one of the video series was called Herstory. And we Mm. did one on Grace Hopper. So for anyone who wants to see a super goofy pseudo, it's like like wacky PBS interview with Grace Hopper. I suggest go find go it. Go find it. <laughs> I yes. need and to yeah. watch this immediately. Yes. yes. And love Seriously that. Googling on this end. I love yes. that. Yes. That's and yeah, awesome. I just love that you guys have a whole series based on the human Venn diagram because I think it's important to show every aspect that it's not just one or the other. And right. it's People a are beautiful, complex. It's right. a beautiful right. notion. Mm-hmm. And we need that desperately, especially today's humanity. 
Today is human. I love being negative. That's my social work side of me. Everything's burning. <laughs> Everything's burning. <laughs> I think she says that every episode. I do. I try to put it in every now and again. Okay. Well, Grace Hopper is an example of... <laughs> things okay. Things are okay. Things are okay. Things are okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Things are okay, and we all contain multitudes. <laughs> perfect. Perfect way to end. Is there anything else you wanted to add before we get to some shout-outs? Not at all. I salute you, Admiral. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we salute you, Admiral Hopper, and we salute you, Annie and Samantha. Aww. Well, <laughs> we thank you, Kate and Christina, for coming on with us. Yes. I feel like we are truly e-friends. Yes. Is that so what we are? Oh, I don't know what this is when you don't see them face to face. Yeah. I don't think there's I a know. good word for that yet. Digital. Cyber friends? That sounds creepy. I'm yeah, not going to say that no. anymore. Yeah. Maybe. Google <laughs> Hopper. We'll yeah. Language. <laughs> she, she said bug for something. We'll, we'll we figure We need to find a language out. for this one. We'll yeah. workshop yeah. it. Um, we'll start an email thread. I love it. <laughs> Perfect. Yes, please. <laughs> so where can the listeners find you both? You can find us on the internet at tldnepodcast.com. That's The Limit Does Not Exist, TLDNE. And on Twitter and Instagram at tldnepod. Or, of course, you know, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, the iHeart uh, listening app, Stitcher, all the places you get your podcasts are there. Yep. We have faith in the listeners. They're yeah. very... <laughs> they can find it. Yes, yes. We do. We trust that what you are all as smart, if not smarter than we are. <laughs> right. And if you want to find us, if you want to email us, what? you can. Our email is stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can also find us on Instagram at Stuff I'm Never Told You or on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast. Thanks, as always, to our super producer, Andrew Howard. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks to you for listening. Stuff I'm Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hold up. 